This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Over the next hour, our inspiring sports story, thanks to Baron O'Day, is a young man who carved out 248 AFL games with two clubs, of course, in Perth with the Fremantle Football Club and then with arguably the biggest club in the country of any code, and I talk of the Collingwood Football Club. He had a decision to make as a young man whether it was to be cricket or footy. Like so many before, he had to choose one or the other. Pretty hard to mix the two. He chose football, and I don't think he has any regrets. Chris Mayne, appreciate your time, and welcome to Inspiring Sports Stories. Gosh, thanks for having me, mate. Thanks for your introduction as well. Hey, mate, in simple terms, you were a very, very, very good cricketer, but you obviously had football aspirations and football talents. Take us back to those early days where you did play cricket in the summer and you did play footy in the winter. And it was when I was growing up, it was a common thing. But all of a sudden, professionalism for both sports demanded too much time for anyone to do both. Yeah, I think obviously my um, where I'm situated now, I can see that within the kids that are coming through. Um, the, the ability to, I suppose, play two sports becomes a bit challenging with the demand on the body, but also the programs that are put in place. So... For me, growing up, it was always cricket and footy and then whatever other sport I could play at the same time. Um, I was fortunate that uh, I was able to represent, um, I suppose, um, you know, WA in, in cricket, um, you know, through the junior levels, uh, but also trying to push forward to, in all the development zones for footy and, and into Colts as well. So as I got a bit older, the, the challenge in being able to, I suppose, meet both the programs became... Um, a bit difficult, and uh, and that's where my body ultimately kind of gave way a little bit. Um, I was, I think, I was training Monday to Friday, playing Saturday Sunday um, all year round. So there was a point there where um, I went away on the 17s tour um, with WA to to Sydney, and I think um, yeah, through the first week was just getting sore and sore in the groins. Um, finally got back to to Perth and. Went and saw a physio um, from the Perth Football Club's physio and uh, he just said, yeah, I think you've got osteitis pubis. So um, that was just, um, yeah, I didn't know that uh, that injury or even mm. existed. Injuries prior to that had been pretty minimal. So um, we were on a bit of a management plan from there and uh, unfortunately it took me out for most of my first Colts year until the last few games. Um, I worked really hard to get back for those games, but... I think what it did give me was, I suppose, the passion to play footy. Um, I always felt that if I wanted to uh, play cricket, I could possibly come back. Um, at the time, how I was thinking, I could come back when I was a bit older. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure I give footy a red hot crack. And yeah, so before the 19s, um, I suppose, uh, team um, was announced, I, I suppose I let cricket know that I wasn't available. And focus purely on getting the body right and then, yeah, give myself the best opportunity to play and uh, I ended up playing Colts that year for the first 10 games um, and then was fortunate to play league footy after that for the Perth Footy Club and then, yeah, I was, I suppose, the history from there is getting drafted to Freo at pick 40 and then the journey began. So, um, yeah, cricket and footy was a passion. Um, loved them both and uh, thoroughly enjoyed them. And, um, yeah, it was pretty exciting to see what I could do with my um, junior sport. So it was a tough decision to make. Was it an emotional decision? Because, as you mentioned, you were good at cricket. Give our listeners an insight into what sort of cricketer you were. What was your strengths? And, well, dare I say it, were you giving a little tick? You're a pretty handy cricketer, they tell me. You got uh, Mike Hussey out in a state 17s v Wanneroo game. True? Yeah. Uh, um... <laughs> I don't think that's – I don't know if that's true. Um, what do you mean you don't know if it's true? Isn't it written in ink somewhere? I couldn't say it about Huss, to be honest, because Huss would probably smash me all over the park. <laughs> uh, 
No, I do remember when I was playing at Kent Street, we did get the opportunity to play and bowl against the Australian team when they were here um, playing. And um, I was fortunate that I got to bowl against, um, you know, Ricky Ponting and Adam Gilchrist and Matthew Hayden, Damian Martin. Um, he had no respect for me in the nets and wanted to smash me all over the ground. Um, so we were just young bucks, year 11s, I think, at the time, just steaming in, trying to bowl as fast as we could. Um and these blokes were laughing as they were dollies coming down. But um, look, I, th- I think I nicked a few of them up and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. But um, yeah, look for for us uh, or for myself playing cricket, I I was I suppose a bit of an all rounder. Um, I was the vice captain in our. Uh, 15 side our 17s going into the 19s um not too sure what have happened there but um yeah i suppose i was a, a bit of a leader amongst the team um i was also captain at the perth cricket club um through my junior years and yeah thoroughly enjoyed i suppose playing cricket um and then enjoyed the successes that came with it from a Kent Street perspective where we won um, the first 11 um, cup a few times and we toured there pretty well so yeah uh, I suppose I, I felt like I was a good enough cricketer, but I remember at the time, like a young Mitch Marsh coming through and watching him absolutely destroy, um, you know, in Verity cricket and the grade cricket. And I was, I suppose, in no imagination there to understand, yeah, look, I'm probably not going to be in the best 11. <laughs> um, uh, I didn't have that, that raw talent that I could see from, you know, him and to see what he's done now is incredible. I thoroughly love watching him go about his business. But um, I think that was... That amongst the injury, I knew that look, I possibly could continue to, to be the most professional cricketer I could probably be and push myself to all limits to maybe, I suppose, represent WA. But I just felt that at the time, um, footy was probably where I was, was going. Um, it seemed more, I suppose, um, practical in that regard that, you know, you've got to be in a squad of 40 um, compared to, you know, probably a squad of 15. So I just thought, yeah, that was the smartest decision to go for myself. Pretty sure I coached against you. I was coaching Subiaco Colts in the, in your time of playing Colts footy. And I think everyone knew that you had the talent to go to the next level. So you took your curly hair, you chose to go down the footy line. As you say, you, you had struggled with that injury early doors, but then you got yourself fit enough to impress enough You've taken 40, as you mentioned, in the 2007 AFL National Draft by Fremantle. I want to know the night you were drafted or the day you were drafted, what that was like and what were your aspirations? Where did you want to go? And when it was Freo, what was your emotion? Yeah, I remember all through junior footy, like there was always that talk of, you know, you'll play AFL and it never really sunk in. You're like, you don't kind of see it as like, oh, I'm going to play AFL. I suppose like the kids that are growing up now, you know, everything's statistically driven, everything's, um, you know, like a microscope when you're kind of playing footy and going through all those programs and into the state and everything like that. So I never played state footy because I was doing cricket at the time. Uh, I never really thought I'm going to play AFL. I just wanted to be the best person I could be, whether it was 150 games for Perth um, or playing AFL or, you know, whatever it was be, just be the best version of myself. So... I remember my first couple of games of Colts footy, I'd played pretty well, um, kicked a few goals and I had a few managers, I suppose, knocking on the door to speak to me and I let dad deal with that at the time. Very fortunate that at the end of the year, we had met with Colin Young, um, which was the best decision of my football career to, to team up with him. Um, you know, I've, I've obviously in many a time spoken really highly about him. I, I think he's an absolute warrior and beast in the war room is what you need. And um, he helped me forge out a 15-year career with a lot of guidance along the way and support. So to him and his family, I've, I've always been extremely grateful. Um, so I, I was very lucky in my younger days that I met him. And, um, and then, yeah, on draft day, I remember being at my grandma's place, um, watching it on the internet, um, which was funny enough was delayed. So a few stories from that, but um, yeah, having my um, all my friends, mum, dad, um, uncles, aunties, everyone there, I suppose, um, in, in anticipation of what could be. Um, I had a pretty okay draft camp. Um, spoke to a fair few clubs, but I was really unsure of what was gonna come of it i know going in port adelaide and collingwood were were interested um so we get around to like pick i think it was 36 um in adelaide and then pick 37 was adelaide and i was sitting there and um 
a new column was going to call me as I got drafted and it was funny enough, it was pick 37 to Port Adelaide and I was just sitting waiting and then the phone starts ringing and everyone got excited, started jumping up and down and um, I was just a bit shocked at the time because I didn't, yeah, I didn't think I was going to go to Port Adelaide. I was a bit like, I had a couple of really good conversations, but I was like, oh, I just, yeah, I just didn't imagine myself playing in Adelaide, I suppose. I didn't really know where I was going to play, but it was more just that idea of, wow, I'm actually going interstate to Adelaide. I'm, you know, this young buck. So I, I picked the phone up. I said, how you going, mate? And he said, oh, congratulations. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, I can't believe Port Adelaide have picked me up. That's incredible. Um, and he was just like, huh? And I was like, I was a bit like, um, what do you mean, mate? Like, he goes, oh, I don't know where you've got your information from, mate, but uh, Freya, I've just picked you up at pick 40. Um, and then the finally the internet had, had caught up and there it goes through, uh, Fremantle pick 40. And I think everyone was like jumping up and down that I'm going to Port Adelaide like I've been drafted. But then the, the roar just went even more. To know the fact that I'm staying home um, at Freo, um, you know, uh, as I say this day, like mum and dad, we're, we're pretty emotional. I think dad was emotional because I was staying here and, uh, mum was emotional because I wasn't leaving so <laughs> so it was it was just a really um, amazing feeling and then yeah to to have a couple of the Frio boys um, Luke Webster and everyone come over and um, I suppose give you my shirt and, and say hello um, was was pretty un, unreal um, you know that was a, an awesome feeling and and then yeah just to I remember we, we from there we shot off to Dave Myers' house because um, I was good mates with Myersy and and said congratulations because he was off to Essendon and and then um, you know we went to a few I suppose um, family functions to just celebrate the day that I'd been picked up and yeah funny enough Reese Palmer rang me that night and said mate look can you pick me up in the morning I might need a lift um, <laughs> so I swung by and got him on the way above and um, yeah it was from that moment on pretty unreal. Uh, the, yeah, nine years later, you know, life member, um, you know, pretty proud that I was able to start my journey there at the club and, and yeah, fell unf- unfortunately fell agonisingly short on the, the big one there. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, draft day was crazy, so I loved it. 2013 grand final you're talking about there, just falling short. Hey, we'll take a break, we'll come back, and we'll talk about your debut for Fremantle, just players you played with and moments inside that. This is Chris Main. He's in the inspiring sports story on today's edition. Thanks to Baron O'Day, because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Chris Main is our guest. 248 AFL games with both Fremantle and Collingwood. Two grand finals. Pretty handy cricketer, as we heard, but he chose the football path. And we'll find out where to next for Chris Main in a later segment. Maney, tell us a bit about your 2008 debut. You played in an exhibition game in South Africa against Carlton. Yeah, um, we got drafted, uh, rocked up to the club. A week later, found out they were off to South Africa um, for three to four weeks, I think it was, which was um, which was incredible. And I hadn't been out. Um, I suppose I'd been to Bali and that before, but, yeah, to head to South Africa was pretty crazy. So um, on the plane, across there, um, with a pretty young squad, a lot of senior players like Solly and Taz, I think, stayed back here. Um, so to head over there with a pretty young side, um, we uh, flew in, landed, and then met with, I suppose, all these security guards with... M16 rifles and um, <laughs> yeah, that was a surreal moment. And then you know, on the bus towards the hotels, driving through pitch black, um, you know, I saw the red light come up, and I'm thinking, is this guy going to stop? And he just keeps going through, and I was like, what is going on here? And they're like, we don't stop here at lights. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Soon realised that um, the security was pretty much needed uh, after you heard them tell some stories about what was um, what happened. So um, that was pretty. Uh, yeah, pretty daunting as a, a young 17-year-old and you're rolling through South Africa and um, you've got, yeah, these security guards with all the rifles and you're kind of driving through stoplights and you've got blue lights just escorting you everywhere. But, um, yeah, we, we we got to go through all the different, um, I suppose, um, communities in South Africa, see um, a lot of different things. But, uh, yeah, we were able to play against Carlton over there for an exhibition match and, um, 
that was a pretty cool experience to put on the jumper for the first time. Um, unfortunately, they left my jumper actually um, back in Perth. They didn't take number 23, so I had to wear number 22. But um, it was uh, it was good fun wearing Scotty Thornton's number at the time, I think it was. And <laughs> the ghost. Rolling around and uh, kicked a few goals and, um, yeah, had a lot of fun. And then, yeah, to come back, I suppose, that trip um, – you kind of got an opportunity to really um, build some relationships um, with your teammates straight away because you're all isolated in, in in such a way, given the fact of how much the security was on us. So it was um, it was pretty awesome to build those friendships straight away because then when we came back, it seemed like normal. It was like COVID, like COVID times, wasn't it? You all, you all sort of always looked being kept uh, kept together. And wow, that's a growing up experience straight away, isn't it, for a seventeen year old to, to have that daunting time, as you mentioned, in South Africa. But gee, when you look back at it, was it amazing? Yeah, it was incredible. Like you look at the, uh, you got a huge respect for, I suppose, our country and and how we live. We went through a fair few communities where people are living in these little tiny huts that are no bigger than your bathroom, um, and there's about ten of them in there. So um, that, amongst you know, going to organisations where you know children are born with AIDS and stuff like that, it was it was pretty surreal to be able to see that. Um, meet all the people involved, um, hear some really, I suppose, horrific stories about the violence at the time and, and how the communities are kind of coming together to change the perception of what's going on. So uh, that, w- that was pretty daunting. But, um, yeah, then to give the opportunity to play, um, you know, in South Africa um, was unreal as well. The atmosphere for, I suppose, a country that's not known for footy was, was incredible um, and they all got around it. So you get back. You don't play round one, uh, Fremantle 2008. You made your debut in round two against Hawthorne. Can you imagine? And I think you, you get a couple of goals too in, in your debut. Just like that whole experience when you find out from the coaching staff or someone that you're going to make your debut. One, why didn't you play round one? Or, and when you did get chosen for your debut, what was that whole process like, being told you were going to play, the family engagement, and actually running out on the ground? Yeah, uh... I think from what I remember, like we were, me and Reese both didn't play round one. I think the we um, were kind of told that, um, yeah, not selected. Uh, they flew to Melbourne to play Collingwood. They got done. Um, they came back, and I think that week, the leading in that week, um, halves came up and said, "Look, um, you know, you're going to play." Um, I had a pretty good game for Perth, which helped. Um, but he just said, "Yeah, look, you're going to play," and I think Reese was going to play as well. So it was a a pretty unreal moment for um, for both of us. So we, yeah, I remember rocking up, um, you know, you dressed in your suit at the time and you had to rock up in your suits and then you get to the, the ground and you go through and, um, yeah, it's the, the atmosphere, the, I suppose, how intense it is and um, the lead up to it all is just incredible. But then to have the opportunity to run out on the field with, you know, some of your, I suppose, heroes of the game like Pav and, um it, it was, yeah, it was incredible. Um, and I still remember, you know, the first half, I don't think I even touched the ball. I'd run around <laughs> like a headless chook. Um, I remember giving one handball, actually, I think, to, to the Wiz, um, who missed the shot. Um, should have kicked it myself. But, um, no, I, I gave it off to him. And uh, I remember coming off the ground going, wow, I'm... <laughs> This is just not looking great for me right now. I'm debuting and I think I've touched the ball once. Um, so, but all the high forwards out there, they know the graveyard and how tough it is. Um, so you just got to stick it out. And then, yeah, the second half, I was able to come out um, and have a better second half. And I think we fell short in the end, but uh, obviously knowing that they were the, the premiers that year, we can understand why they were such a good side. But I remember Desi Hedlund got the ball, um, did a little chick lead on uh, Campbell Brown, and then um, he hit me on the chest, uh, which he always did. And I was able to go back and, um, yeah, take my time and slot it. And, uh, yeah, I remember all the boys getting around me. I remember Murph coming up and getting around me. So it was, um, yeah, it was an incredible feeling to have, um, you know, kicking your first goal, contributing, um, all the boys getting around you, having all your friends and family in the stand and then, yeah, to carry on for the rest of the game and get a few more kicks and uh, handballs and kick another snag was really nice to finish that way. But, um, yeah, really tough 
uh, I suppose you understood straight away how tough AFL footy was and well, what you had to do. Yeah, well, very, very much so. And what about the team that you played against? I mean, the experience in that team, even on those days, Hodge, Mitchell, Franklin, Stuart Jew, Grant Birchall, Surioli, Jared Roughhead, Brad Sewell, just to name a few. I mean, they were a good side. Did you sort of, were you a bit daunted by what you're up against. And as you mentioned, they went on to win the premiership that year, so they knew what they were doing. But were, was it just like, wow, I am only still a boy and I'm now mixing it with these blokes? Because Buddy had been in the system for three or four years by that time. Yeah, you knew straight away. Like, Campbell Brown, like, he belted me. Like, there was no... He belted like, no everyone, Maney. Yeah, but there was no good luck, mate. You know, enjoy your first game. It was, yeah, just absolutely belting me at every possibility he had uh, or possible chance he had. And, you know, you, you're standing there and you've got Luke Hodge, you know, barking orders, um, you know, to direct his team. And, you like, for me, I'm such a footy nuff, so I absorbed everything that I was watching, um, realising what he was doing and how their leaders were communicating and how they were trying to play their footy and trying to take it all in and, um, you know, I'm bringing a part of my own game. But, yeah, I remember I remember, I was a little bit of a smart-ass sometimes as well. I remember running past and, you know, trying to give Luke Hodge a little bump on the side just to let him know I was there. So if he's going to try to get the ball, I think he turned around and just gave me the look and I didn't even have to say anything else. I was just like... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that again. Um, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'll, I'll send him Pav or someone else to try and have a yarn to him if they uh, if they want. Uh, Pav was always good at sending me in first. But, um, yeah, it's a, a team of men that just, um, you know, even Cyril in my draft, but he was just incredible. So they were a really good side and obviously deserving winners that year. Very much so. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, the Collingwood experience a little bit later. Just in summary, your Fremantle experience, um, 170 games, as you say, a life member, and then you end up going to Collingwood. We'll get to in a later segment as to why you went to Collingwood. You were there for Mark Harvey. He was uh, left. You were there for Ross Lyon. How different were those two men as coaches? Yeah, I suppose my first four years under Harv was introduction to what AFL was. Um, I was still learning a fair bit understanding kind of where the club is I look back on reflection now and I realized in that first four years how unprofessional we were as a group um, compared to when Ross came in and I think that's been stated pretty clearly when Ross came in the whips were cracking exactly how we kind of had to change our footy Um, but you know we got to play in finals footy in 2010 Chris Scott was a big part of that Um, you know he was unreal coach and then um, you know 2011 um, started really well, but then didn't have anything else left um, to finish that year. And I suppose, yeah, I, I soon realised, like, I went through some injuries early in my career with stress fractures in my second year and stuff that I thought I was professional, but I really had to change. Well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean, uh, what do you mean by you thought you were a professional had to change and, and as a collective you were unprofessional? Because, yes, it has been documented when Ross came in, things went to another level, but... If you were comparing apples with uh, apple A with B, what what were the three maybe elements that you had to do better that you thought you were doing okay under a previous regime? Uh, well, as a group, you know, I, I can see now in reflection, like we um, we had so many misdemeanors, blokes not rocking up to training or missing, you know, certain elements that were required for training or your own, I suppose, physique with skin folds and you know the likes of going out, like we did not uphold a high enough standard to play good enough footy. Um, we were a bit all over the shop on the field, especially with how we're trying to actually play the game. So it was a bit of a rabble. Um, then Ross comes in and, you know, your actual off season wasn't about how many kind of beers you could sink or go eat whatever you want to eat. It was like, you've got to come back in, certain shape you've got to meet certain requirements you've got to hit certain percentage near your pb from your 3k's perspective or a 2k um so everything just changed quickly the way you kind of went about your business um was sharpened up pretty quick because there was players like pav and and sunny and um you know fifey that all got hit between the eyes under ross and um you you soon realize wow they're getting hit up which they never did you're like okay, we've got to really sharpen up here. So, 
um, it was really important for, um, yeah, myself that, you know, I, I would always be really respectful of my body, what I was doing. Um, but like I would still wasn't getting the right amount of sleep or I would just be choosing the wrong time, you know, to, I suppose, not be as professional with uh, eating or drinking and you're kind of like following the bit of the, the crowd and what we're doing. So I, I just then changed, especially 2015, I think we went away and I changed exactly, um, you know, who I wanted to be as a footballer and the way I kind of went about my off-season. My off-season wasn't about just relaxing. It was actually about training to get myself right. So I ended up being, you know, 50 weeks of the year I'd be training, two weeks would be purely just off feet to recover and then I'd get back into it. So I think they were the slight differences um, with my footy. We'll take a break and come back and we'll talk about the grand final, of course, the grand final defeat as a Fremantle Lockers player, then leaving, leaving Frio and joining the mighty Collingwood Football Club. This is our Inspiring Sports Stories with Chris Main. Thanks to Bowen a day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Chris Mayne is our guest. 248 games with Fremantle and Collingwood. Played in two grand finals and now he's forging out a new career. More on that shortly. Hey, Mayne, let's go to the year, of course. It was the grand final of 2013. You played against Hawthorne. I'd just love to know. It was a great year for you. I think you played every single game and you, you certainly kicked, I think you kicked 37 goals for the year, including one in the grand final. Just tell us about that whole grand final experience and the build-up and, and going to the MCG. It must be, it's the stuff dreams are made of for kid yeah obviously coming off the year before in 2012 we we bowed out against Adelaide and Adelaide when I felt like we actually played some really good football um towards later part of that year under Ross so I felt like we really started to gel understand exactly what the program was um and what we were trying to deliver week in week out and then going into the next year we all had really solid pre-seasons um and we were able to really put it together for a whole season so it was um it was a pretty unreal season. We we ended up finishing um, third and then went down and played um, Geelong in Geelong, knocked them over, which was um, absolutely incredible. That was one of the best games I've ever been a part of. Uh, and then to play Sydney in the prelim, um, electric crowd, um, and we started off uh, like a house on fire. We put Sydney to the sword early, and then we were able to just kind of see it out until that siren went. And I think. I kind of remember it pretty vivid. I'm standing there on the centre wing, um, the siren goes, and you know, I know just that, that, like you said, that moment that we've just made a grand final. Um, you know, watching them as a kid when you grow up, it's like, we, wow, we, we're actually going to be there, you know, the first time in the, in the club's history. And uh, I know Krause was standing right there, and to be able to give him a big hug um, was, I suppose, one of the best feelings. And then, yeah, we had a, a really awesome week. Um, you know, the, the, the Frio faithful packed into um, Frio Oval and we were excited about the prospect of heading to the G and getting it done. And um, we know we're coming up against a pretty strong side in Hawthorne. So rocked up to Melbourne. Um, I remember rocking up to the airport actually, and um, it was absolutely packed and they had the, uh, the whole rock star kind of entrance where you walk through and the crowds either side and that was pretty surreal. And, you get in and then you get to MCG and you do the the parade and even that I think um, that was just that was unbelievable and I was so fortunate to be able to do it twice but that was unbelievable the the Melbourne and and obviously experiencing them at Collingwood Melbourne fans of of football are so passionate um, and it was just yeah the the roar through the streets and then obviously coming into that day but I think the biggest thing when I look back on it I know the parade was so. I feel for me and and the beginning of the game was so overwhelming because you're like, wow, this is incredible. Um, but then to look back on it and look at Hawth when we're standing up on the stage, we're all smiling and laughing, which is really what you want as well. You want to be relaxed and, and enjoying it. But I think looking at Hawthorne, they were just distilled. They were like straight face. They were there for business. They knew what had happened last year, get knocked over by Sydney. And I think they were on a mission. And I think when I compare how both sides started. They started off really well. Um, and, you know, I think we were still kind of ad adjusting to the, the the situation. You know, we unfortunately didn't kick straight early. Um, we didn't put pressure on them at all. 
um, even though we finally got in a bit of a groove in that third quarter. Um, but yeah, we, we couldn't we couldn't get it back. And you know, look back on it now, it was actually a pretty close game in the end, fifteen points. Um, it, it's just it's one that yeah, I, I look back on it and go, yep, I probably. I probably played maybe a quarter and a half of my football, and the other the other time I was I suppose taken by the moment of it all. Um, you know the the crowd, the roar, standing there during the the national anthem, and then the, the roar after just gives you goosebumps. So um, a very um, disappointing end to it all, but um, one that I was proud to be a part of um, at Frio with obviously the first time the club's ever made it to a grand final and yeah it was um we we should have got there again definitely in 14 and 15 we were probably one of the best sides in the competition but couldn't put it together towards the end of the season and um kept losing too many soldiers as well so yeah disappointing way to finish at free i'd have loved to have been a, a premiership player but um i suppose there's a lot of players in the game that have never made it there or played finals footy so i'm pretty grateful for that opportunity One hundred thousand and seven was the official attendance on that grand final as you mentioned you were one goal six to half time you trailed by 23 you got within 10 at three quarter time and then it was a bit of an arm wrestle in that last quarter at what stage did you walk away from that grand final and go, um, well, that was the one that got away or you dissected? At what stage and have you got over? You were, It wasn't a one-point margin. It was still, you know, they held sway by 15, as you mentioned. But have you got over it and, and have you dissected the grand final experience or did you walk away and go, gee, that was fun? Um, for me personally, I don't like grand finals. <laughs> Obviously, been a part of two, lost two. Um, but even when I was playing earlier in my career, I never watched them. I was always you've jealous. You've said this of- before, Maney. Now you've said this before, and I think even Collingwood's grand final win the other a couple of months ago. I know you were at a function, I think, and that was against your grain because you were not keen to watch it. You weren't keen to go, even though you were a Collingwood player. Um, what's what's your not? And it's not disdain. What's your issue with grand final day? Um. Yeah, well, I suppose I have. I haven't watched the the twenty thirteen yet. I haven't watched the two thousand eighteen back. Um, it's that I don't know. There's that that ache in me that I I never got it done um, as a player, and I I love what the boys did. I've already spoken to you know a good dozen of them um, personally, just calling them and, and congratulating them. Like I was so happy for them in the club. But at the same point of time, like to be able to see the boys that I ran around with like literally a couple of years ago, you know, with their families walking around the MCG, the medallion around the neck. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm obviously envious of that. Like I, I really wanted that as a player. Um, I suppose it fuels me as aspirations to chase it as a coach. Um, and, you know, it's not it's not everything, but my family's everything. My kids are everything. But you know, when you've got this passion that you've had ever since you were a junior mm. um, growing up, it's, yeah, to see the players, I suppose, um, be successful and, and enjoy those moments, you just want them for yourself. And, and yeah, so selfishly, I, I just, I don't enjoy the day. I don't really like it if I can avoid it and go do something else. Like I remember the 2015 wow. one, lost the prelim. <laughs> the next week, I didn't watch it. We went to the Royal Show just so I can keep my mind off it. Um, so mm. uh, it is what it is, but. You know, you, you, you kind of just, yeah, I, I definitely haven't watched them back and I, I probably won't ever watch them back. Why did you leave Frio? Um, at the time, there was, uh, I suppose, there was a few things. I, I looked at um, where I was personally as a footballer. Um, I just met my partner uh, a couple of years prior and her passion uh, didn't allow her to live out her dream in, in Perth as well. So there was a few things there. Um in the end, we we were open to an opportunity of what Frio were going to do if they were going to offer me a contract. Um, the preliminary one they offered right at the beginning of the year, I suppose, um, I, I didn't like at all. Um, you know, I've been I'm a life member there. I, I felt like I deserved a, a better contract, especially what I've been able to do. I just finished six in the BNF, um, so I, I just thought that yeah, that wasn't right. And then. Um, yeah, looking at, I suppose, the writing on the wall, you know, we had a really, really bad season. Um, so it was it was like, well, are we going to go with youth? Um, you know, I saw that in that season as well. Blokes like Mickey Barlow, Maddie, Tendai, um, Zach, they're all getting put down to waffle. So I, 
I was kind of weighing up, well, where's my best footy going to be next? Um, I was still open to the idea of being at, at Freo. I liked the idea of being a one-club player. Um, but as the year progressed, um, the, the the offers, like the contract wasn't really coming in. So um, my manager, like I said before in the show, like he's, I trusted him um, wholeheartedly. And there was a few clubs in Melbourne that were interested. So, yeah, when the season finished, I was pretty emotional. Um, I knew it was Pav's last game, but... Also, I knew it was my last game for the club as well, and not many people knew that. So, um, I don't know. Ibo came up to me straight after, uh, gave me a big hug. He knew because he's one of my closest mates there, and um, yeah, it was it was pretty sad at that time. But we moved on to different opportunities. So we flew out the next day and went and met with a couple of clubs and, and Collingwood's, um, I suppose, offer to me. Um, I couldn't pass up on. Uh, allowed my wife to, well, now wife, mother of my children, to pursue her dream still, and then. Yeah, made the move to the biggest club, like you said, um, in Australia and probably in the world of that regard and, and then got after it again. So it was, um, yeah, to see me change my own football, change kind of my own, uh, my own philosophy and the way I play and, um, yeah, it was probably the right move in the end. We'll talk about the Collingwood experience in a moment. We'll also talk about that 2018 grand final, of course, and we'll talk about what you're doing now. Chris Main is our guest, inspiring sports stories, thanks to Bauer and O'Day. Because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Chris Mayne is our guest and we bring it home with his Collingwood experience. His grand final of 2018, of course, and also what is he doing now, thanks to Baron O'Day, because the little things are everything. Now, your Collingwood experience, you know, good contract, we get all that, but it was it was shrouded in a bit of controversy, wasn't it? Um, I think even the family got involved and there was a bit of jousting, whether coaches liked you, whether I didn't buy him, I didn't want him. I... Just set the record straight. Tell us what happened in the early days at Collingwood about when you first arrived and then when you weren't getting the game and then everyone piled in. How tough was that? Uh, yeah, obviously uh, pretty well, um, I suppose, publicly stated before. Uh, I, I met with that, like I said, that day I flew out the next day to meet with a few clubs, met with Collingwood, sat down in the boardroom, um, I suppose, with all the high power bucks and all, um, had a really good conversation, spoke about, uh, well, they, I suppose, delivered um, a bit of a, I suppose, a snapshot of like what I was going to be brought in for. Um, and I was extremely excited about that. I thought, yep, that's that's right down my alley. I'm really keen. Um, and then I, uh, I met with uh, my manager straight after. We, we walked out and um, we sat down, had a chat about it. And, yeah, it was a bit of a no-brainer. We, we both were like, yep, this is probably the place to be um, after the conversations we had throughout that day. And um, and then, yeah, we, we went back home, told the family, made the move, flew back to, to Melbourne, um, and then we were straight into it. And, uh, yeah, pre-season was, was going really well, um, dealing with a few niggles here and there, but um, you know, really starting to try and fit in, um, get to know all the players, the coaches, um, you know, everyone that's involved in that club. Um, but, yeah, it became pretty challenging as the games, the practice games started. I... Um, I found myself being, um, I suppose, on the outer a bit and I couldn't quite understand why. Um, you know, all I can think of when I was at Frio, like players that were coming from other clubs seemed to be given a lot of leg rope um, in trying to get their, I suppose, feet in the ground and, and get to know the team. So um, to have that first practice game, you know, probably wasn't at my best, but, you know, when I watch, when I look back on it, like it, it wasn't like I wasn't working or had the right effort or attitude. It was mm. just that chemistry wasn't quite there yet. So um, didn't was, yeah, not going to play the next practice game or played the next practice game on, on minutes. And then the last practice game wasn't going to play um, until I kind of, I don't know the way I say it, like I, I suppose negotiated my way to play that game um, against Richmond. Um, and I was able to play a pretty solid game in the end. So, I felt like, you know, finally just let me play the whole game, let me get get to work like I used to. And then, um, yeah, yeah, played the whole game, played pretty well. And then, yeah, found myself having a chat with Bucks at team selection saying that I wasn't in um, for round one. 
and um, that was pretty late in the piece because mum and dad and everyone would come over thinking that I was going to be playing in the the, the round one side. Um, so yeah, on on the morning of, get a phone call from Bucks. Um, Aishi's gone out sick. Yeah, I'm going to play. So I was like, oh wow, okay, wow. Thank God because everyone's come over. Um, <laughs> in the end, I, I felt like I played pretty well. Played my role. We went down, just lost to the Dogs, um, which was unfortunate. Able to keep my spot the next week um, against uh, Richmond. I played my same role, you know, putting opportunities on the scoreboard, kicking a couple of my, one or two myself, um, and then uh, the third game against Sydney. You know, we just lost against Richmond again, but third game Sydney, um, we'd won. We had a really good win at the end, and I like again, I wasn't didn't get on the scoreboard, but you know, as like you said, playing in that graveyard role is pretty hard all the time. It's mm. just as long as you can be bit more consistent so but I felt like I understand you know Jamie Elliott was coming back um I knew that my spot might be be up for grabs so I just called Bucks you know I want to get on the front foot and said look um I understand Jamie Elliott's fit and available um you know I'm, I'm here for the team I'll do whatever it takes for us to win games of footy and if it means you know that's that's my spot then it is what it is I'll go back to the VFL um I'll, I'll you know play my role get the get the runs on the board and hopefully get another opportunity. Um, and I think he was he was like, yep, appreciate the phone call. Um, yeah, team selection come around. Yeah, you're out. Jamie Elliott's in. So and I kind of saw that coming. And then um, I just spoke to him and Sandra. I said, look, what do you, what do you want to see? Um, and they, they kind of painted it out like, you know, um, 15 or 16 disposals, a couple of goals, like pretty straightforward, you know, marks, tackles. I said, all right, done. So... Came out against Coburg, and I, I think I ended up had like six shots of goals, like three three. Um, you know, had all everything they did, so I'd, I'd executed what I did really well. We got beat by St Kilda pretty comfortably, and all our forwards were well and truly put their hand up to say, "Yeah, oh, my spot's up for grabs." But um, this is probably where it all went downhill um, for me because. Went into team selection, hadn't been spoken to, had a really good week on the track, um, upbeat, thinking, yep, I'm, I'm definitely should be coming back in. Um, and, yeah, two other players came in. Um, one was a debut and one was back from injury, and I was a bit confused. Um, so I, I went straight up to, to Bucks and and, um, and Sando and said, like, like what, what's happened? What have I done wrong? Um and, and Bucks's first thing was, oh, look, you better have a chat with Sando first. So when I had a chat with him and um, and he just said, oh, look, you know, this is this is kind of what we went for. And I said, I executed everything you asked me to do. Um, you know, like I feel like I've, I've given everything you, you kind of asked for. So, yeah, it. Uh, I was like, all right, no worries. I'll go back and do it again. Um, and that's just, yeah, the, that was how the season then unfolded for the rest of the year. They didn't didn't get spoken to. Um, week to week, um, got to a point where I was kicking five and four and three and not getting a look. And um, yeah, with with no one there as a support network, I'm pretty isolated with my wife. You know, my parents were starting to hear it in my voice. My manager was starting to hear it. Um, I was getting to the point where I was rocking up to the ground, just started crying. Uh, I didn't know how to get out of the car. Um, so my wife had to call me and just say, get out, like put a brave face on. Um, you know, as everyone knows, I've always been an emotional person. I wear my heart on my sleeve in that regard. So, um, yeah, it was was pretty challenging year. But the media absolutely hounded me, um, and it was like it wasn't my fault in in a way. It was out of my control. Um, you know, even to the point where I'm rocking up to do a starlight function, um, and you know, just to work, be with the kids and families, and put a smile on their face. And a dad comes up to me and and goes, oh, "Have you seen the back paper?" Um, you know, I didn't think I thought you were a bit of a like douchebag until I met you today, and I was just like, I haven't seen the back paper, mate, because I've cut it out and I've cut the AFL app out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and you've just, you know, kind of brought me back to earth in a way, like where I was trying to stay away from all mm-hmm. this. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, that is what it is, I suppose. So, yeah, then go and see the back paper, and it's all, you know, the deal wasn't right for the club. We don't know why we got him, kind of thing. And even before the first final in VFL. Um, you know, Bucks coming out saying like, yeah, there was a bit of a miscommunication and stuff. And then my dad, which unfortunately dad got involved. Um, but again, you stick up for your son. 
he yeah obviously stated, <laughs> tweeted or stated that he, he, Bucks was in the room, so he had the say and decision on it. Um, but yeah, he was obviously backpedaling. So got to the end of the year finally. You didn't um, play another game that year. You, you round three, no, you were not seen for the rest of the year. In fact, you weren't seen till the grand final year, round six. It was. Um, we got to a point where I had to have security guards stand next to me at um, VFL games. Um, I was getting absolutely hurled abuse at from our own fans uh, and obviously other spectators and um, opposition sides. They knew that it was easy, I suppose, easy target. Um, and it was really hard, you know, playing VFL. You had to kind of – I wanted to be able to give everything to the team. Um, you know, Riv was amazing for me as the, as the head coach. Um, and just to be able to support the, the younger players coming through, that was my – I suppose what I, where I changed my my mindset was like, all right, well, how do I support them? How do I get them an AFL game? You know, how can I make their game better? So I had to really kind of hone in. All right, look, I'm here. Like, let's let's do what we can. Um, so yeah, to to have that though, but we, we when that last game came, I I just started crying again because I was like, oh, thank God we're at the end of the year. Like after everything I just copped. Um, and it was Jesse White's last game. And I remember just like walking off, not even thinking. And then Fuxi goes, mate, we're going to carry Jesse off. I was like, yeah, sorry, I totally forgot. Um, but yeah, to, to get out of there, to then jump into my exit meeting um, with the high power. Uh, normally they go for about five minutes. Mine went for about an hour and a half, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> I just said to him, uh, the way it kind of came down to, you know, we've been back and forth. I just said, look, I'm here for another four years. I, I commit. When I'm into something, I commit. So. It was a massive deal, wasn't it, Manny? It was a it was a it was a sizable contract in time and also money. So, were you ever going to walk away from it? No, but it, it, for me, it wasn't like I did want to focus on my personal health, but also I felt like I've still got some of the best footy to play. Like mm. you just mm. need to know who I am. Um, yeah, you haven't really got to know me and and what I can do for the team. So. I just said to him, like, this is what I'm going to change. I knew there was a spot on the wing and about half back. And I said, look, I'm, I'm not, I don't see myself as a forward anymore because obviously you don't. So I know there's a spot on the wing. I can play it really well. And I know there's a spot at half back if you need me to, you know, go between, um, between positions in a game. I'm going to change the way I'm going to drop uh, my time, my 2K. I'm going to change my weight. I'm going to focus on my speed. This is all the things I'm telling him. So... We were going to go on the way that off-season. I said, nah. Well, my wife said, nah, look, let's, let's get a personal trainer, a running coach. Um, and we spent 12, spent 12 weeks, you know, every second day getting to work. Um, so when I did come back in 18, I was in ripping shape, um, took time off my 2K, um, felt strong, fit. And, yeah, like you said, the first six games I was playing VFL, but I was playing on the wing. Um, and funny enough, like, you know, I remember when Bucks came out and um, – and obviously stated that I'd been going really well um, in the media because I was having the high 30s and putting scores on the board in VFL, and I, I was really excited about my footy. Ideally, I wanted to be playing AFL, but I knew, all right, this is like I'm starting to get a groove going here, and, and hopefully um, an opportunity comes. You know, he came and had a sp- chat to me and said, look, you know, we want to see your players as a forward. Um, I was like, mate, like I'm really enjoying my footy here on the wing. Like, I'm, I'm going really well. And he goes, oh, we, we trust in Philip and Aishi at the moment. I was like, that's fine. I said, if their spot comes available, I'm ready to go. Um, I, I was in my mind thinking like I played forward for 10 years. I don't know what you really need to see right now as a forward. So, um, yeah, fortunate. The Anzac Day break, um, which was like four days, I think, came around. And uh, I finally got an opportunity again. And um, during that game, I was first half I was playing as a forward. Um, but the second half, Aishi went down just for half time with a knee. Um, which I think it was his PCL, and he was out for 14 weeks. So a spot on the wing became available, um, and I didn't look back from that moment on. Uh, I suppose I built the trust of the team, all the coaches, um, and even to this day, like me and Bucks didn't start off great, but I ha- he's probably the strongest relationship I have with a coach, someone that I can still speak to now, um, call up, see how he's going. He does the same thing for me. Um, we, we, the way he changed as a coach was amazing. The love and, and support he gave to the players and how he adapted. I just was in awe of that. And I'm very grateful that he, I suppose, had the capacity, even though we'd butted heads for a whole year to be able to put that aside and, and get to know me. Um, I, I was very grateful in the end because I got another opportunity, like you said, at the, at the pinnacle, um, and one that we definitely should have won and won that. <laughs> 
very flat on. So I, mean, um, I know, yeah. and I don't want to harp on it. I don't want to harp on it, but I will say, and I will, let's not let's we all know what happened. Unfortunately, you were lost in 2018. Where were you when Dom Sheed slotted the goal, and what was your emotion? If you there is footage out there on YouTube, I believe I've seen it um, from the crowd filming Dom Sheed having a shot at goal. I am standing um, just out of the protected zone on the side, uh, hurling as much um, <laughs> shit at it towards Dom as possible, uh, with Coxie on the mark jumping up and down, um, saying that. He, it was a free kick and um, he doesn't deserve this and I'm happy for you you're having a shot from there because no one kicks it from there um, <laughs> and I don't know I, as soon as I, as soon as it hit his boot I, I saw his face and I clearly remember it because I quickly turn and I have a look and I see it going through and the waterworks just started um, I knew there was like a minute to go and I knew this was the moment in the game. And the game's always made up of little moments, but this one was, like, as we know now, very memorable for West Coast fans and for players. But um, that, uh, yeah, that, that destroyed me that moment. Um, I it couldn't really compose myself, my thoughts, um, even though there was like a minute to go and we still had an opportunity, but I, I, I couldn't quite. I, I was just playing my role. I just locked down my defender and I was like, all right, well, we need to attack. We need to attack. So let's just all be aggressive. Um, and then, yeah, the siren went and just I was uh, distraught. I was broken. Um, uh, the the tears didn't stop. There's obviously you Google my name now because all the boys at school seem to do it. They put it on their screensaver, but it's me crying with my hands in my face. And, um, yeah, it's just uh, – it's. It's one of those ones that will, I reckon, that one more than the 13 because I've left everything out there in that one. I was good to, to try and get to the line. and Yeah, and you'd also got yourself back after that uh, that really difficult initiation at the footy club. Mate, before we let you go, um, you, you, you have started a football academy. You're, we've done this interview with you at school, of course. I know you're just about to get your studies over in the line. So life after footy, um, you're still giving back to the game and also phys ed and the like. So it, it's 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 your life going forward? Yeah, so, um, yeah, becoming a, a PE teacher, um, you know, I'm, I've been working at Trinity last few years um, post-footy with their director of football and head coach. Um, we'll continue on with that. I've also, um, you know, looking to, um, you know, start up my own academy and try and bridge a gap for, you know, the, the years, I suppose, 12 to 17-year-olds who are looking to, um, you know, make their way up through the talent pathways and then to push through with Futures Colts and then hopefully League Footy or AFL. So um, really excited about what I've done so far with, with the Trinity Football Program to see where the schools come from some very lean years to being extremely competitive again um, and, you know, can't wait to bounce into next year. Uh, still have huge aspirations to, um, I suppose become an, an AFL coach, um, whether that's development line or, or a senior at one point of time, but also really excited about the possibility of becoming a, a Waffle League coach or AFLW. So a lot of other things that are, that are I suppose, in the works of where maybe I want to take my journey. But um, for me, it's just, um, yeah, making sure the, the family are well. Um, my wife is sacrificed heaps, supporting her, um, seeing the kids grow up and then, yeah, um, finishing my degree, which will be done beginning of next year, and then, um, yeah, seeing Trinity hopefully lift up the Alco Cup next year. Would be ah, exciting time for you, Money. I really appreciate your chat. It is a great story. It is inspiring. You've uh, you've delivered plenty. You've uh, worked against the grain as well, and I'll say this before we let you go. Thanks to uh, Baron O'Day. Your dad pulled me up for speeding going through Brookton one day, and <laughs> and, and and I appreciate everything you did. Uh, don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything, mate. Appreciate your chat and all the very best in the future. No worries. Cheers, guys. Thanks, mate.